Void Podcast Network. From its creation in the 15th century as a basic playing card game, to the unproven works of Geblin, to the how-to-read instructions of Jean-Baptiste Allier, to its rise of popularity in the 16th and 17th century, followed by its common use in the 1900s during parties to entertain guests. The tarot has been a significant part of the metaphysical community and humanity as a whole for centuries. Tonight, we team up with Phantom Phil of the Unexplained Inc. podcast and a special guest to discuss the philosophy, history, and significance of the tarot as a whole. Sit back, enjoy, and welcome back to the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Welcome to the second installment of the Void Podcast Network. I am that beardless boy wonder here, CJ, accompanied with my good buddy, Phantom Phil. Phil, how are you? CJ, I'm tremendous. Uh, Thank you for having me on this uh, episode tonight. Yeah, this is going to be a real great one. Um, We are finally getting a chance to sit down and, and dig into the metaphysical a little bit, which isn't really something we get to do on Infinite Rabbit Hole very often. So I'm very excited to be able to do that. And uh, Phil, I know you dig into the metaphysical literally all the time, but I don't think you've directly touched on our subject today, have you? No, it's funny you ask because... Um... When I do the monthly Lightworker series on Unexplained Incorporated, I've had a very recent uh, string of psychic mediums. Now, with that being said, what we're going to talk about tonight is something I haven't dove this deep into, so I'm very excited to get into it right now. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. I know I know Angel Card Amy is uh, looking forward to it because she has quite an impressive collection herself. Indeed. She'll be listening for sure. All right, so Phil, uh, tonight we are joined by a special guest, uh, Jen Galasso, author of the Crystal Visions Tarot deck, and we are going to be discussing the history and then the going forwards of tarot in itself and the significance of tarot. Jen, thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Thank you both for having me. This is exciting. I'm nervous, but it's exciting. <laughs> You're nervous. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, this is kind of why I get into podcasting because I get to be a fan of people and then I can coerce them into talking to me. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm so flattered. <laughs> um, so really, like you, you're an author of the tarot specifically and uh, your Crystal Visions deck is actually the only deck that I own. I don't I'm not a collector. Oh. Um so make a long story short, I was at a pagan festival and was looking for a tarot deck. And I, I initially saw yours um, from the get-go and my eyes were drawn to it. And then I started browsing and then I would come back up to it. And I was browsing and I would come back up to it. And the person that was operating the tent was like, you know, that's the one you're supposed to buy, right? Wow. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, and I got it. And uh I honestly couldn't have made a better choice. The The artwork is phenomenal. The themes in the individual cards are incredible. Uh, my box looks like it's been through a bump, <laughs> but but the cards are still, they're, they're looking good still. I'll have and, to send uh, you a little pouch because I put mine in a pouch because the box is like, it gets trashed, you know, so I'll have to, you'll have to I mean, tell me where to send it and I'll, I'll send you one. <laughs> 
I I am. I, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I I will definitely uh message you after this. Um, uh, Phil, do you do you have any tarot? I do not. However, you mentioned my friend who helps me with the podcast, Angel Card Amy. She has, I believe, multiple decks and mutual friends of ours who are also um, practicing psychics have their own versions of decks as well. So I've been exposed to a lot of decks, but I do not own any. And who knows, after this interview... I may own my first uh, gen here may change my mind. We'll see. Well, along with the pouch, I might have to send another another deck for you <laughs> so you can try them out. All right, cool. Yeah. Hey, you definitely won't regret it. The the Crystal Visions deck, um I guess you could describe it as stereotypically effeminate, but I like, I like pretty stuff. <laughs> I mean, we've gone over that in in I I'm definitely just like a regular old straight guy, but I like pretty stuff and it's kind of bizarre but like i'm not ashamed of it i'm so glad that's um, great because i what i was worried that maybe it spoke to like it didn't speak to the masses so it's good to know you know that you it resonates with you so that's that makes me happy yeah yeah um, it, i i'm i'm actually so glad that i'm i'm having a, a hard time i'm trying not to fanboy while we're doing this <laughs> but um I gotta say, uh, yeah, the deck in itself is absolutely amazing. Uh, I gotta say, the Six of Swords, my all-time favorite card out of the whole thing. Oh, um, thank it just you. speaks on so many levels. I was in a dark place when I painted the swords. It was like dead of winter in Rhode Island, and um, you know, every day was gray. So, like, all the swords are kind of that's yeah, that's where my head space was at during those few months. So. <laughs> Like um, the the card itself and the the six of swords. If anybody's wondering, um, you're looking at a woman with her back to you, and she's discarding two swords into the snow while multiple swords are around her, um, and then she's staring off into the distance at a set of crows, and it looks like it's either sunset or sunrise. I'm gonna, I honestly want to say it's sunset, just because it looks like she's really spent like the entire her the entire day just fighting battles and it's finally over and she's looking off into the distance at these messenger birds who are who are there to bring her good news and while it's somber and it definitely gives you a sense of sadness it also gives you a sense of relief and i just i really resonate with that that theme in general oh, did i did i get it you right? did get it right i was like yeah it's definitely sunset that's for sure i didn't really i didn't really think about it but now that I do it, yeah, it's definitely sunset. And, um, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. It, there is definitely a sadness in that card. I think just in general, in the, in the meaning of the card in general, um, it's kind of a sad card, but there's always sadness and change. And, but, you know, you have to look at the, you know, the optimism of change too, that new opportunities await. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And honestly, yeah, that's one of the things that I do appreciate about this particular deck in general is it's extremely detailed, but there's an ease to reading it where I learned on this deck. So whenever I was like, oh, get the rider weight. And I was like, no, I'm going. To <laughs> I'm so glad that's yeah, because I've I've always been like I read for friends and family, but I've never felt comfortable like reading professionally. And I just, I'm a visual learner too. So I, I like something that I can just look at and, you know, colors or like, pat, you know, just like a story almost 
rather than try to memorize the meanings of each and every card and then try to recall it, you know? So I'm glad, I'm glad it was easy for you to learn. That was something I was worried about. Like I wanted that for people that, you know, had never read before, or, you know, were nervous about it or just did, didn't know where to start. So that's cool. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go, Phil. <laughs> you yeah. yeah, you're right. He probably would be like this great reader. <laughs> you know? no, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> you know, what's actually really interesting is like, um, when it comes to magical practice in itself, where I am more, uh, folky and, sort of ceremonial i'm kind of dabbling with this system called quaria right now i just don't have time to dedicate to an initiatory process at the moment yeah uh phil is actively learning uh shamans you want to take a moment to discuss that a little bit phil oh that'd be cool yeah yeah um that's a whole long story in and of itself but the short version is is that um i discovered a book on shamanism in uh, spring of 2019 and it had such an impact on me that it led me to a practitioner and to get some sessions as a client. Unfortunately, this person um, decided to basically close their business last year. However, when one door closes, another one opens, and I actually found a more experienced and more grounded instructor a lot closer to where I live. And they offer uh, monthly courses, which... Um, I started in May of 2021 and will be working into the rest of the year. And on top of that, I'm taking Reiki courses as well. And I'm going to be blending the two together to start my own practice probably sometime in 2022. Oh, wow. That's great. I was just, I was just talking to a friend who had um, Reiki done and I, I've always been interested in that. I've never had it done. I don't know why, but that's, that sounds interesting. That's great. Good for you. I'll just say I'll just say this. There's potential for it to change your life if you allow it to. So just, just keep that in mind when you start to explore. Okay. I will definitely. Yeah. I I've heard it's, it's powerful, you know, and I think that's what it is. You have to be open to it. I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah. You know, Oh, that's neat. Yeah. You're going to have to forward me some of this information when you, you know, when you launch your business and everything, that's, that's great. Oh, definitely. Definitely will be done. Yeah. I think this, this past year brought, a lot of people to new paths and it's positive. It's great. Everyone seems optimistic and well, not everyone, but everyone I've talked to anyway, seems, you know, could have gone either way, but they chose the path of looking to the future, you know, in a positive light. So that's cool. All right. Uh, Jen, if you, if you don't mind me asking, um, would you mind uh, discussing maybe uh, your path a little bit and like, kind of like fill us in on, on where you are in, in your magic? Oh, journey? absolutely. Sure. Thank you. Um, well, I'm, I'm my, in general, I'm a little chaotic, so it's hard to put a timeline on things, but I do, as far as tarot goes, um, I was, I was in high school when I, I got into all of that. Um, I live in Rhode Island and on the east side of Providence, um, there is a street near Brown University and um, Thayer street. And it's, it's a pretty well-known street to anyone familiar with this area. And there were a lot of like metaphysical shops, um, at the time, you know, but I didn't drive yet. So like, you know, I don't know if I took a bus or got a ride with an older friend, but I started hanging out down there and, and that's kind of how I, I started getting into, um, just reading about, you know, different paths. Like, of course I was 
attracted to witchcraft first and then that led to tarot and and other things you know um and i don't know it's just kind of always been it's funny because i was raised catholic you know um but i think a lot of times it starts with like an organized type religion maybe that you start to question and look at other things maybe i don't know um oh yeah for sure but and then being an artist i just i of course when i got the cards i wasn't really a very, I always say I'm not a good reader, but like I read for people and they say, oh, the reading's accurate, but it's not me anyway. It's the cards, you know, it's, and it's them understanding the cards in, you know, whatever perspective um, they have, whatever they're going through. But I think because I didn't feel confident as a reader, I was more like, oh, I'm going to make a tarot deck someday. Like, you know, I'm going to paint one. And so that was always like a goal of mine. You know, and then, I don't know, I had this goal, like everything to happen when I was like 25, for whatever reason, that was my magic number. And then 25 came and went and I was like, oh, wait, I didn't do any of these things. So then when 30 rolled around, I had like a crisis, you know, and I'm like, I need to get some stuff done, you know. And so I, that's when I started really thinking about, about doing a tarot deck, you know, so, um, and I'm actually working on another, so, but it's very early stages. So it's not really, um, it's finally about time because it's been, it's been a long time. It's been 10 years this year. So, um, it was a lot of painting. It drained me like creatively for a long time. Um, and this one's going to be a little different. It's not going to be as fantasy. Um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit different. So I'm hoping people still you know, are interested in it. We'll see. I'm liking it so far, but it's, it's not ready to like post yet. I don't have anything like finished enough yet to post, you know, but hopefully soon. So. Oh, we're definitely going to be looking for, yeah, I'll definitely, I'll keep you posted for sure. So. And when, when it comes out, I will definitely be buying. Oh, well, I'll send you one. Don't worry. But, um, it's, it's wandering souls tarot. That's the working title. Hopefully it sticks. So, um, keep an eye out for that. So definitely. Um, all right. I mean, before we really get into the whole topic of the significance of tarot and, and a little bit of history here, um, we should really make like a, a clarification because tarot does have this like side by side companion that a lot of times in places I've seen it recommended as the, the 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 starter. Like read this before you read tarot, and that's the oracle cards. And there's a pretty strong difference between Oracle cards and tarot uh, just for everybody out there listening that, uh, cause I'm sure plenty, I have an Oracle deck. I'm sure Jen, do you have any Oracle decks or you work strictly? With no, them? I do have some Oracle decks. Yes. Okay. And like, uh, and maybe you can agree that when it comes to Oracle decks, the individual deck has a specific purpose, unlike the tarot, which is sort of this like all encompassing, you can ask it, pretty much whatever you want for the most part where an Oracle deck has like a very, uh, depending on what the theme of the deck is like kind of a restrictive environment. Right. I would agree with that. Definitely. I think the Oracle, I think I have one or two that were gifted to me and one is like an angel. So it's kind of focuses on angels and asking your like spirit guides or angels. And I've seen like, you know, animals, you know, those kind of spirit guides. So yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Can I jump in here for a second on the Oracle discussion? Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to Absolutely. bring 
Yeah, I wanted to bring this up at the appropriate time. Um, my one friend who has also been on my podcast, she is a reader and a Reiki practitioner, and she's Indigenous, and she has a shamanic oracle healing deck, and she uses it in um, readings on her YouTube channel. And Jen, I can send that to you later on if you want to, but the artwork yeah. on this shamanic oracle deck is gorgeous and i was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that deck or if you'd seen any of it because if not i highly recommend you taking a look i would love to yeah if you can send me that link for sure i mean i might have i may have seen it and you know and not realized and um but yeah if you can send me that i would love to I, i'm always I, i'm always like seeking out new decks and um seeing what's out there and that would be yeah cool. the um the channel started just a few months ago, but the readings I've watched on it, the card, the artwork on those cards always amazes me. So yeah, I'll definitely send that. Your Is way. she just on YouTube? Is she on like TikTok or any Instagram or anything doing reading? Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can give you that stuff. After. Oh, nice. Okay. Great. Yeah. 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 I only have a uh, one Oracle deck myself and that's the, the wilds. Wild. Ah, yeah, I, I went into my magical toy box and pulled my, my tarot deck out, but I didn't bring the Oracle ones up. Uh, it's like a nature theme. Story. Is it Wild Unknown or something? Is it? Is that? Is it yes. Yeah. Yes. They all look like brat dolls. Yeah. Yeah. In- <laughs> I think I know which one you're talking about. If I'm, if I have, if I'm picturing the one, the right one in my mind, but um, there's so many and they're so beautiful. I like, I honestly, most of the decks I have, I, I just collect. I don't read with them because I'm like, I just like the artwork, you know, that's, um, but there's a, there are always good ones, new, new ones coming out. And I hope more of them get out there and get the, you know, get the word out there. Cause there's so many, but there's so many worthy good ones that you want, you know, you want to know about them. Uh, no, definitely. And I mean, and card reading is, I guess, I guess we could just jump right into it. Like, uh, and it goes back so far. And I feel like a lot of people initially associate the tarot card readings with uh, a person named Antoine Corday Geblin. Is that a... oh, I, I have to say I'm embarrassingly um, ignorant as far as my tarot history. I so um, you may actually teach me something. Like I, I mean, I know certain things. Like someone will say something, I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah. But it's funny. My dad was a history professor, and I am horrendous at like history of things and like and and putting dates to things and timelines so um but that <laughs> that name does sound familiar so i'm sure i have heard it um you can uh you can impress your dad later then <laughs> um it was a he was a french guy uh and in 1773 he created a book called le monde primitif or the permanent oh. and um it was initially about languages but within it, he he talks about how the tarot in itself is based on ancient Egyptian texts. Like, there's no evidence to back up his claims, but this is where a lot of people really begin their historical knowledge of the tarot in itself. And we're talking about, a, you know, these cards were originally created for playing a game hmm. with, right? Um, we're looking back at, like, I believe it was ancient Greek or Roman times. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Phil. Um, mm, I can't remember myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're talking pre-printing press. Uh, so really it was like the rich and well-off who had these right. cards. And the um, uh, major arcana 
were individually crafted cards that were created to a theme uh, that was requested by the individual purchasing the deck. And after the creation of the printing press, tarot cards became way more available to the general public at much cheaper rates. Uh, so we were looking at, you know, uh, peasants and things ha- having these things right. at hand. Uh, later in the 16th and 17th centuries is when they really began to take off as sort of like a divination uh, tool. And uh, the church gets involved eventually. Uh, a lot of people were messing around with this. And we're talking also talking about a time period where if you went to like a social gathering or a party or something, right. there would just be seances. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> I bet you like Victorian times. Like, I, I feel like that would be a time where tarot cards would would be a big thing like a you know just something yeah, people did on like a random night you know mm-hmm. yeah they were huge and honestly the concept of the of doing things like tarot and seances uh wasn't really demonized until fairly recently uh in the 70s wow. uh with the creation of the movie the x oh, one of my favorites i love that movie yeah Okay, so we know in the in that movie the character Reagan, and now we're we're treading on Phil's territory. Movies. <laughs> um, uh, Reagan uh, uses a Ouija boarding and ends up getting possessed right. by a demon. This, that, yeah. the other thing. Uh, that movie specifically demonized the Ouija board in itself. Uh, but the concept of like just doing seances and things like that, as like just a group of friends doing stuff, was popular until then. That movie came out, and the Catholic Church looked at that and went, "That's what those do." <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and that was and that was that. Yeah, so it, it's kind of crazy. Like we were dealing with something that was as popular as it was up until right years ago. So <laughs> I think it's all it's all in the way you you know you use certain things. It, it's the intent. It's the knowledge. It's you know. I mean. When you have kids at a slumber party messing around, you know, I, I think they scare each other. You know, certain things can happen. I don't know. It, I think if you're a knowledgeable practitioner of whatever divination tool you use and you take it seriously, um, you know, nothing should be demonized, you know, but it, it has. Yeah. I agree. It, you know, that's the way it, ha- you know, and it still is, too, you know. While we're on that subject, um, this is a question for both of you. Like, how do you think the tarot got roped in with things like the Ouija board and seances? Because like you said, it started out as uh, something that was available to the upper class, the elites, and then trickled its way down. And then just to fast forward to uh, more modern times, it's by many people it's still seen as something taboo or possibly connected to evil or some still think it's a joke so just to kind of pick up where we left the conversation off where do you think that kind of perception went wrong and when did people lump it in with things that were so-called evil and whatnot Hmm. that's a good question i i don't know cj you might be able to answer that better than me because i've i think i've always felt people certain people just aren't open-minded to, to certain things. They've already made up, made their decision. Um, so I, I don't know if I could pinpoint a time. So you might be able to do that better. 
Um, honestly, within my within my research uh, regarding the history and things, it really um, doesn't look like that the tarot in itself uh, was uh, demonized that much earlier in the 70s in itself. It really is like the Exorcist movie kind of like... Oh my god, I'm never going to be able to watch that movie the same way now. <laughs> I have heard rumors that that movie was very like impactful at that time. It was like scandalous almost, you know? Yeah, yeah. When it came to the the the, the Catholic Church specifically yeah. and everything, it was just this really prominent moment where they just had this like elucidating moment. They were like, "What? <laughs> no, no more tarot cards. Put those candles away. Use the church candles, <laughs> right? And right. You with that board, and it's just like uh, it probably didn't help." Card- Sorry, it probably didn't help that the movie got released, I think, the day after Christmas <laughs> in 73. So that probably, probably didn't not. help anything. But it's just funny how, I mean, not to get into all of, like, the Catholic Church and everything, but it's a lot of the things um, originated from paganism. But, you know, I whether or not it's acknowledged within, I don't know. But, um, you know, it's it's just funny that you could just make something so powerful you know, just by saying it's evil, you know, but I mean, they're cards, they're pieces of paper, you know, and it's just with pictures on them, you know, I mean, it's like saying, oh, playing poker is evil because, you know, you're using cards with pictures on them too, you know, and it means something. So I don't know. Well, a lot of, a lot of people, uh, specifically in the Christian religion, and I'm, I'm sure uh, others, it's just my experiences with Christians being in America and everything that's the dominant uh religion here. Um they they take a look at something like that and they're they they believe it comes from a demonic right. origin. I don't even know yeah. if I believe in demons. I mean I'm open to everything. Like I, I I never say never but you know Well I mean technically speaking uh, anybody who deals with any sort of spiritual entity uh within their magical practice is dealing with a demon if we look at the history of where that word even comes from we're looking back at the ancient greek word daemon which just meant spirit right right and then when orthodoxy and catholicism split they had this thing and they were like well daemons daemons we're not just talking to wood sprites and fairies anymore no. <laughs> no, they're winged and black and they do bad things and they'll steal your baby like yeah so Oh, demonize the word demon. <laughs> oh. Right. Or at least take it back to the roots. Like it just means spirit. Right. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Places did that. Like, uh, even if we look at the word ball, uh, and then that the, the deity ball gets criticized across Christianity and Judaism, all the Abrahamic faiths and even, even other, uh, monotheistic faiths, Zoroastrianism and things like that, where ball in itself simply meant, lord right 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 so they were just speaking to the lord of the skies or the lord of agriculture or whatever um but they took took it and they're like ball ball <laughs> the devil <laughs> it just it shows how powerful how much power words have you know um mm-hmm. you know they're words but they do they do hold power and especially if if enough people agree so it it, it can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing you know it can it's positive or negative depending. And like you said, in that instance, right. it's it's a negative thing because people want to believe something or just 
make something out of something it's not, you know, we experience it every day, you know, in life. But yep. And that's that's kind of a build up to the the next part of the the history behind tarot as well, where at the time uh, tarot was really picking up in in its attraction for divination. We're talking about people started using to read. They would also use regular playing cards to read. Um, there's a divinatory practice for that, and uh, people were beginning to assign specific meanings to the cards, and then they were passing these ideas to other people. So then that's how we end up with. Uh, specific cards having specific meanings um and then we always have the traditional practice of listen you don't even look at that little booklet first look at the card and tell you how it feels i agree with that Mm -hmm. and that that was the original thing and then we have them uh coming up and like this whole practice and then that was incorporated into seance and things like that and at the time period when this was becoming popular the church was completely okay with it (laughs) yeah um at that time period they uh we're we're also thinking about back towards like where um the spanish inquisition and, and things were happening i believe if i have my time periods correct uh but the church in itself did not look down on what we commonly call low magic right, right? your your folk practices and your divination and herbal medicines and right. things like that and they were they were cool they were like whatever that's not a big deal um and then that wasn't uh that wasn't a problem for the longest time. And then I forget the exact history behind it, uh, but they um, eventually just decided like, no, that's got to go too. I think it, I think it had something to do with the inception of Christmas. If I'm, I'm trying to remember my history because Christmas was illegal really? for a while. Huh. Yeah. In like the mid 1700s, Christmas was illegal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and but they couldn't stop the pagans from practicing it. So they were just like, absorb their traditions. <laughs> and that didn't work. And they're just like, all right, have do whatever you want. Um. Hey, everybody. Bear with us while we take this quick break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greetings. I'm Declassified Dave. I'm Mystery Mike. I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Join us on the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour Mondays, where we look into the dark secrets of the conspiratorial world. We'll explore the likes of government cover-ups, the existence of otherworldly beings, unexplained phenomena, and cryptids. We tackle these topics with an open mind, a sense of humor, and dapper drippage. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listen on all podcast platforms. But that's when we uh, encounter the Order of the Golden Dawn, uh, where the author, what was his name? Arthur? Was his name Arthur? Oh, I have a book. Oh, my God. You think I would have wrote something? <laughs> um, 
Oh, I totally forgot to bring this guy up. Uh, Jean-Baptiste Allier wrote a book mm. on how to read tarot cards. That was uh, kind of a big deal. Huh. Oh, man. I cannot remember this individual's full name, and now I feel terrible. Well, CJ, while you're looking uh, for that, while you're looking for that, I could just ask a bit of a question here. Um, sure. You briefly talked about how people were assigning meanings to certain cards. Um Jen, I know you've said that you do more of the art and the illustrations than actual reading, but is there anything you could tell me about connecting to a tarot deck, a tarot deck, excuse me, energetically, whether it's for reading or when you're drawing and um, designing the decks? I'd love to know. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, as far as reading the cards, um, when I get a new deck, if I plan to read with it, I will, I, I, it, people might laugh at this because it's something they tell beginners to do. And, but it really, I feel like it helps like just to put them like under your pillow or put them like on your person for a while, just to get your energy into them. You could cleanse them too with like a crystal. Um, and then just go through the cards, look at each one. Um, when I am reading, I will shuffle. I usually have a, a basic pattern to shuffle, but if I feel like I need to shuffle more, um, I hope this is the, I don't know if this is the right answer to what you were asking, but, um, mm -hmm. that's, that's what I do as far as like reading or connecting with them to, to read. I just want, no, you know, oh. yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's good to know. And, um, just as, um, as a client in the past at several different readings, the best readings I've had from the Tarot are when I'm told to ground out, put my feet firmly on the floor, and then just take three or four deep breaths. And then that's when I feel the energy starts to flow. And then really, that's where the magic happens. So I, I like where you're with that. That's interesting you mentioned that because the breathing beforehand is, is very important. Um, I always have people ask me, how many, how many do I pick? And I never tell them, I just say, I'll tell you when to stop just because I don't want them to count and work, focus on, Oh, I have to pull, pull 10 cards. Cause then they're going one, two in their mind. You know, I just want them to pull and to just try and feel, and it's hard to tell people to do that. You know, they just have to try to focus, but, um, but the breathing that's, that's really, that's a good point. Um, just to get you out of your head a little bit, even just so you're not overthinking it, you know? Yeah, for sure. So I can't find the information I was looking for <laughs> and I'm too lazy to pick up my phone and Google it. That's okay. But <laughs> the individual's last name was wait in the golden dawn. And he teamed up with another woman within the, the, uh, the golden dawn who actually did the, uh, the pictures and whatnot, and they created the Rider Weight deck, who, who, which was created. Oh, wow. Okay. So there was a deck yeah. prior to that. Then, um, then, I did not, I didn't know that. Unless it, Golden Dawn does sound familiar, though. Yeah, the Order yeah. of the Golden Dawn. Yeah, they uh, stemmed from Freemasons, huh. I believe. I bet you it's on Eclectic or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever been, you probably have stumbled across that website, Eclectic Tarot. Um, there's like, a, I don't know how active it is now, but there, there was a very active forum, um, 
lots of Decker music, much really? every deck it, ever ever created. Um, it's it's really bizarre. Um, I I don't do a lot of the internet community yeah, yeah. when it comes to the metaphysical. I'm a very in person. I need to touch things. Um, I like to see your aura. I don't like to try to work it. I did it once online with a friend and it didn't feel genuine and I couldn't feel the connection that I feel when I'm doing things for people. And it was just bizarre. Like, like when you mentioned like sleeping with your tarot deck underneath your pillow, that's actually what I did with this one. Um, And I just, I just put it on my pillow every night until I felt like I didn't need to anymore. And you establish that connection with it. And then every time you pick it up, it's the same familiarity and recognition as if like you saw an right. old friend. Yeah. That's a good right? way to describe it. So you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. it, it almost becomes an extension of your hand when you pick it up. And like, you're just like, all right, I'm ready to do this. Um, I don't, I don't really do the whole internet thing. Yeah. So no, it's, I've never um, really taken part in the forum there, but it, it's a good resource. The site itself, if you're interested in a deck, um, I mean, you can always probably go on Amazon and read the reviews there, but, um, they have a lot of deck reviews <clears throat> posted on the site. Um, if you're not interested in taking part in the, and I, I'm not a fill, I don't even ever go on the site. It's God. just a huge, huge tarot site. Um, if there are any new ones, I don't, I don't know about them. I haven't, sadly, I've been out of the loop too, like with online forums and stuff for like a lot of years, you know, I mean, I'm not even on a lot of social media lately either. So I'm a little out of the loop with, a little, mm-hmm. with things like that, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it works, it works real well for a lot of people, the whole over the internet doing readings right, yeah. like that. I mean, Phil angel card, Amy does her stuff. Some people really are able yeah, to connect. I think I'd be with you. I'd, I'd find it difficult, but a lot of people don't, and that's good. I mean, it, it allows people to connect from anywhere in the world. So, yeah, I just wanted to say briefly that, uh, angel card, Amy does her readings through like, uh, Instagram yeah. and one of the big, uh, zoom as well. And one of the big reasons for that was because of the pandemic. So, I mean, that's a lot of people may not want to do it online, but given the current circumstances, at least until recently, a lot of people maybe didn't have a choice that wanted to explore it that right, way. So. Right. And even if it was something that was uncomfortable, mm-hmm. I think people had to try and just do it anyway. And now, and now they're probably, it, you know, it, for me, it would be a source of anxiety. I think, I don't know why it just would be, but I think maybe you have to get over it. Like you said, if that's, if that was your only alternative, you know? You have to change your way of thinking. But. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it would just be very, like, my style of reading, I, I shuffle uh, the cards. I, I ask you to focus on a question or or even just, like, a subject, like, something you need to know about. And then I will actually pass you my deck of cards for you to shuffle, which I know is not a common practice, but that's how I was taught to do it. And it works really, really well for me. I like that. I I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, the person touching your deck is imbuing part of their energy into right. that deck, right? So the thing that they're focusing on, their intent now goes into the cards briefly and allows them to read for that person. And I have found that when I don't pass the other individual in my deck, it reads for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, 
you know, the cards didn't get anything correct. And it was like, I used to read from my, like my daughter and her friends and, and none of them knew how to shuffle. So I, they didn't shuffle. And that's what would end up happening by the third person. It was like, they're all the same. They're reading the same. Maybe this is my, my reading, you know, but even if they cut them, something just connect with them on some, some level, you know, um, if people are uncomfortable shuffling or whatever, you know, they could cut them into a few piles, something, you know, or at least, you know, choose them something. I was reading on your uh, website, Jen, um, about something called the crystal visions app. Now I've never thought of like a tarot reading app and it seems like such a simple thing and it just never crossed my mind. So What's uh, good about this one? And uh, are there other apps out there you can use for the tarot? Because it's something I've never explored myself. Yes, it actually. Okay, so I'm I'm not responsible for the app. Um, it's a um, what is it? Uh, something Fool's Dog. Sorry, I just I, my mind went blank for a second. Yeah. Um, the Fool's Dog is <clears throat> it's a. He was a semi-retired, I believe, um, like computer programmer, something with computers. And he started developing apps and his wife was interested in the tarot. So they kind of teamed up and he makes, there, there are a ton of apps um, for all different decks. The Rider, I believe the Rider Waite. Um, and they have, I don't know how many they're up to now. So I... I either contacted them or they contacted me. I don't remember after my deck came out and I had to get permission from the publishing company, us games. And they, they granted it and they actually ended up doing apps for more of their other, for some of their other decks. And it's eerily accurate. Like I use it all the time. I have one on my phone and my iPad and it is, it is really accurate. Now, unfortunately they, I don't know the status update, but they are retiring, retiring. I I got a notice when I got my last statement from them. And I think they were looking for a someone to take over, someone who knew an app creator or just someone to buy the business. I'm not exactly sure. So if you're interested, I can, I can give you that information on the side, but. Uh, Number one, I'm not very inclined with electronics and software and number two that would just be way too much work for me to take on right now as cool as it sounds i just wanted to add one more thing to that it's really cool that you said that the act is very or the app excuse me is very accurate because i was wondering if when you were connecting to cards like that through a device or through a screen if there would be like an energetic block and the results would be all wonky but you're saying that's not it, the case. it is it is so strange because i thought the exact same thing i said this will never be accurate um you know and it's just a fun thing like i thought it, you know this is cool but like it's not going to be accurate i've actually pull, have done readings with the app and then actually have read my cards and they are so similar they've been so similar so um it's, it's, it's strange. I, I can't explain it, but, um, I think it just transcends electronics. You know, I think whatever energy you're putting out there, it just, I don't know, but it, yeah, it's, it's strange. 
Yeah. Very cool. And I've tried other decks. It's not just mine. Like I've, I've tried with other decks, you know, apps through the, I don't, I've never tried another company's apps. There must be other ones I would imagine, but, um, everyone he does in really high quality, um, his apps. I, I hope they find someone to take it because I would hate for them to just disappear that, you know, but, or not get updated, even though I don't know that they would need, but eventually I'm sure they would, but. To make it more compatible with different exactly yeah i mean i've never had an issue and it's been probably eight years or so and i i know they've there been a few updates along the way but nothing major but eventually you know everything becomes obsolete so hmm. um speaking of obsolete you know we we discussed the earlier that individual tarot cards like people begin to come up with meanings and pass those meanings on to other people and I feel like some of the common meanings, especially when it comes to the major arcana, are actually kind of uh, ironic in a way, I guess yeah. is the word I'm looking for. And it actually throws a lot of people off, especially when you're doing a reading for them. Like, um, my favorite is anytime, like, the first card you reveal is <laughs> right. cool. It seems insulting. It, right. Mm. Yeah. It's, right. I used to hate to get the fool. Now I love it because it's like a new adventure. But I used to think, the same thing like oh i'm so yeah they get and they're like mm, yeah that's not what say to me I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like uh phil are you are you familiar at all with any of the tarot card meetings well i just wanted to ask about that actually um you talk about you know the fool and two other cards that just flashed to my mind immediately are like the death card and the devil card and I just wanted you guys to open up a little bit on the fact that these cards don't exactly have the meanings of what they may appear at face value. Am I correct in saying that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think one of my favorites is anytime the death card comes up for somebody who either has never experienced a terror reading <laughs> before, or maybe they've only had done a couple of times and like, or, or they don't really have like an involvement in learning terror themselves. They just get enjoyment out of having the right. cards read for them. And they look like, Oh my <laughs> God, why? You mean I'm going to die? <laughs> I love the death card. I love, I love the death card. I love the fool and I love the world because the fool, you start something new, the world, you've learned something, you've ended something and you've gained something from that. And usually the death is something necessary, even ending, even if you don't want it to end, you know, so it's, I have, you have to kind of, it's all in how, I think every card is how you view it. it. They're both, they're all positive and negative, just depending on your perspective. So. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And and I was doing a reading for somebody once who had asked. Uh, I never I never ask uh, anybody to reveal their question to me until after. Actually, I tell them to not tell me what their question is. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Reading. Um, they don't always. They're not always comfortable telling me what they asked, and I'm, I don't press people. I'm like, come on, I'm like, oh, do you mind? Like, right. what did you ask? Right. I'm interested. Um, and the one time uh, the individual had asked about his marriage, which was not going well <laughs> and oh, that card came yeah. up oh. mm. and he was like oh my god is she gonna die <laughs> i was no like, but the, mar oh, the marriage way this just means there's there's a significant yeah. ending coming he's like a significant I'm like yeah something significant in your life if you get that and the tower look out 
<laughs> yeah. He was like, well, why doesn't it mean death? I'm like, listen, if that had been the tower, we'd be the talking about whole different, a whole story. different yeah. story yeah. right now. Yeah, actually, that's funny that, you, you know, like, I think both of them, I look at the tower as more disaster than death. Yeah. They're both like swift, major changes, but the tower is like you said, it's probably more worrisome than, than the death card because it, it could be something really valuable that's crumbling to the ground that, you know, you really, you know, that you want to maintain, you know, but you don't have a choice. (laughs) Yeah. And then, uh, it's just, it it is, it's, it's just comical sometimes to see the genuine reactions and then you can be like, no, 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 you got to calm them down. Or I think I think I remember the very first time I ever drew the tower card um, during somebody's reading, and I just sat there for a moment <laughs> looking at it. And they were looking at me, and they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "I'm I'm not really sure. I want to." How do I break this? Yeah, <laughs> 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 no. because that's not what you came here for. I know that's it, not what you came here for. Tell you right, you want to tell them you want to be up front, and yet you want to like kind of sugarcoat it a little bit, you know, but. Oh, and just the individual card meetings. It is amazing. Uh and then just genuine reaction is fantastic. And uh do you, do you have any do you have any good stories of like like specific like uh times where like you you dealt with somebody who saw a card for the first time or they saw it and immediately interpreted it as something it wasn't and like maybe there was a hilarious invent well there there I can't think of a hilarious event I really only read for for friends and family. Um, I love reading for skeptics who are open-minded. Um, and I don't know if this would qualify as hilarious, but I do specifically remember reading for my friend and her husband and he was the, you know, he's very like scientific and, but he was genuinely curious and, um, cautiously skeptical, I guess, you know, but, but open-minded about it. and he and his buddy were there and they worked together and there was something about his work that came up that I didn't know about. And, but it, it came up and, you know, obviously I interpret it as his work. I said, I think this is work related, you know, there's probably pentacles involved and a tower or something, you know, something along those lines. And they were both, I didn't realize, but they were both, um, stuff was going on at work and they thought they were going to lose their jobs or they were looking to leave, so it was really accurate and they were both kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Now his wife, my friend, she, I read her for the first time right after and she was just not concentrating and she was just like fooling around and not taking it seriously at all. And her re- her reading made no sense at all. It was all over the place. But it's, again, it's like if you focus and put your energy on it, it's really, that's the important thing for the person if you're having your cards read for the first time, don't panic. Just be open-minded and concentrate on whatever is on your mind. Most likely, even if it's not in your question, it's going to come up if it's important. You know, you probably have experienced that with people, you know, or yourself even. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. It will make itself known if you need to know it. <laughs> Oh yeah, like, especially like when you when you do get those readings where it's just all over the place. I did have one person ask me; they were like, "This is everywhere. Like, 
what is this what does this mean it was like it means you're scatterbrained i was gonna say that's probably more what's going on in their in their brain at the moment maybe you know um <laughs> they were like what i'm like how many questions did you ask i told you to ask one right <laughs> you confused it you're right. <laughs> and it's a lot harder to do that yeah, fo- focus is so, so important <laughs> so um jen while we're on this uh, subject here i have to ask this because i saw this um reading your bio off of uh, your main website and you talk about an era far gone by it said that you had experience and i don't know how long it lasted working as a telephone tarot reader is oh this true? yeah <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just before you continue, there's one thing I have to say. So, like I said, with the internet, this is completely a thing of the past. Yes. I assume, for the most part, if not completely. And right away, it made me think of like you know yes. Dion Warwick <laughs> and the one nine hundred number. But I have another story to share. <laughs> I don't know if uh, CJ told you this or not, but I am Canadian. Oh. Okay. My yeah. great grandma. I'm um, three quarters Canadian. <laughs> Oh, sweet, sweet, beautiful. But anyway, uh, growing up, um, there was this awful late-night infomercial (laughs) similar to the Dionne Warwick one called JoJo's Psychic Alliance. (laughs) And she was this this French-Canadian woman based out of Montreal with this big, horrendous blonde wig. And... Like her infomercial and her commercials were a running joke here for a long, long time. And like I said, it was even more cringe than like the ones <laughs> Dion did. So I just want you to share some of your experiences working with that. How long did it last? Was it a total car wreck? <laughs> like, like, what did you take away from it? Like, cause you're laughing. So I'm hard, laughing so because I, I can't believe I actually forgot that I did that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even remember so it's that good that's how long right. ago it was but like and it didn't last very long as you can probably tell that i forgot all about it but um right after yeah. college i moved to california and um that's i was looking for extra i was like i I was working about like five jobs at the time <laughs> i had a full-time job i was waitressing at night and like and so i said so i think they were they there must have been a commercial or something for the nine, you know, the 900 numbers. And, um, so I had to just get a second phone line and hook up to it. And, um, when you log on, like you would log on through your phone, I think you had like a, you know, press the whatever pin number or something. And, and then you'd start to get a call. So your phone would ring and you'd pick it up and you had an intro and then you'd start reading the cards. I didn't do it very long, obviously, because I, I forgot, but, um, I probably, maybe a month. I, I, I probably did it for a month. And every time I went to log on, I just got this knot in my stomach. I didn't want to do it. I was very resistant to it. Um, because people weren't taking it seriously and, and I didn't feel like I couldn't see the person. I didn't know them. I, I didn't feel comfortable, you know? Um, and the, I think the last straw was when a girl propped her phone up and said, listen to this. She was fighting with her boyfriend. And she said, listen to this and then tell me, then you read my cards. And she propped the phone up and had me listen for, there was a cutoff time of like an hour or like just under an hour um, where the phone call would automatically disconnect. And I kept saying, hello, are you still there? And all I could hear was 
was her fighting in the background with her boyfriend, but she wasn't hanging up. So I couldn't hang up. And finally the, the call timed out and that was, <laughs> yeah. And that was the end of my career. As Maybe that's where my, my um, block of being able to read comes from partly because of that experience. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I just remembered uh, during that story, this woman, her name out of Montreal was named Jojo Savard. I got to look up on YouTube and uh, see if some of her stuff. Oh, I bet you it is. I'll have to look up too. Oh, (laughs) buddy. Because they popped up everywhere. And then the company that I worked for put out a thing to the, you know, if you have any ideas for a commercial, send it in and you can win $500 or something like that. So I sent in this commercial idea. And I never heard back about it. And then later I see it on TV, almost like exactly what I sent in. And I go, oh, they stole my idea. They didn't even pay me for it. So I think that might have actually been the last straw when I, when I. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. I'm dating, my, I'm dating myself by like. I definitely don't. I don't have any of those experiences. <laughs> you're not missing anything believe me i could have done without that yeah you're lucky (laughs) on my resume they we had what miss ellie was that her oh that was another thing was that the they cropped up all like there were so many and i swear it was probably the same company just under different brands you know it was probably all the same just raking in the what three two ninety nine a minute or whatever (laughs) oh well, and, and it's and it's crazy too because they're taking you know a, a divination tool that's crazy right. significant in almost every magical path. Like um, Phil, does does the tarot have any place in shamanism? I'm not a hundred percent. The only um, thing I've seen is what I mentioned earlier about my friend with the special shamanic oracle decks. There's a lot of shamanic symbolism mm-hmm. on those cards. That's all I've seen so far because shamanism usually uses a lot of different tools. And it's funny you bring up divination because on the second weekend of August, I'm taking a divination course so I could have a more straight answer for you. After oh, that. nice. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, cool. Because, I mean, uh, Jen, when it comes to the tarot, like, how, how do you view its significance like when it comes to uh beginner practitioners along any path or um just anybody in general looking to get into divination in itself given the wide range of tools that we have available to us like uh i guess the question here is is where where does divination fall a divination that's where a good the question fall, uh on the scale of significance within there i think people just have to maybe just trust, go inside and trust their intuition, what they've tried different things and see what they connect with the most. Like some people for a while I was using, you know, a pendulum and board, um, you know, and uh, just to try that out for a while. And, you know, and I think maybe if the, if you go, I, that's why I still like brick and mortar for, for divination shops and spiritual, you know, if you go to, you know, Salem or, anywhere that has, you know, a few different kinds of shops. Um, that's probably the best place to, to find a lot of different things. Although a lot of the stores do have the same things, but, and just see what you're drawn to maybe, you know, I think everybody, so like for me, if tarot is really a significant divination tool, it might not be for somebody else. Um, but I think it's, it's 
one of the most universal um, oracle cards and tarot cards. It, again, which one you choose to use, you know, daily or, you know, on a regular basis is personal, I think. Okay. Uh, and then a follow-up question for that. Um, so there's this this line of thought. There's two lines of thought when it comes to the tarot, especially when it comes to acquiring your first deck. There's one line of thought that says, pick whatever deck you're drawn to. And that's personally uh, the method that I used. And I, I feel that I made the correct choice. Um, but then there's also the other line of thought that says that your tarot deck has to be gifted to you by another person. That's so funny that you ask that because I have been hearing that all over the place lately. And I feel like I had never heard it before or maybe rarely, but now I, I've heard it. I've heard it. Um, at least three or four times, like over this past like month, I would say, you know, and I'm like, huh. And then I thought about it and mine actually was gifted. My Catholic parents actually gave it to me for Christmas when I was a teenager because my mom is kind of into that stuff too. So, you know, she, she, she likes it. And, um, so when I said, Oh, I want a tarot deck, she, she actually got me one for Christmas. So mine was gifted. I, and I realized that when I heard this, cause I, I probably would have gone out and bought one anyway. So I don't, I don't know if I, I think it's, if you, if you want a particular tarot deck, you, you're in a store, you're at a festival or, and you see it and it's calling to you. I say, buy it. I don't necessarily think someone has to give it to you. I think if someone does give you a deck, there's a special significance to that in the sense that maybe they felt you it it was for you, you know, something you didn't see, like a sign that you didn't see yourself, someone else is sharing with you. So, but I don't think one way is wrong and the other way is right. You know, they can both be special. How about you? What do you, what, what are your thoughts on that? I feel like Honestly, uh, I'm I'm either or like I like I love accepting gifts when it comes to the metaphysical uh, from people uh, depending on the intention behind the gift. Um, But at the same time, I do like like I said like when I acquired when I acquired your deck, I I just I I was on a rack. There were like fifty different decks there, and I'm looking at everything, and I just kept coming back to it, coming back to it, and coming back to it, and like I just I couldn't stop coming back to it, and I was like, all right gonna definitely take this one home with me um there's just some things you know like that was right, that was right. supposed to be mine. yeah that's cool right. i like that thank you yeah so, but i've done that with other things too and i've seen it and you just it, it kind of like gnaws at your brain like you're like ah, and you just know you have to go back and get it you know i've had that happen with other with, you know with other mm-hmm. even with other decks too and you know other things i've seen out there so yeah i think trusting your intuition that's always you know, something, if, if something keeps coming, they say, if you don't write it down and you still remember it, maybe it's, you know, significant. So. That's an interesting thought. Um, Phil, I'm actually out of questions myself. Uh, do you have any other follow-up questions that you'd like to get answers for? Um, I just have a, it's kind of a two part question here, but I'm really excited to know. So, Jen, on my podcast, um, 
I do a segment called the monthly case study. And I did the first few on my own and then Angel Card Amy hopped on and uh, helps me out with them now and makes it a lot more fun. And what I do is um, I take like a horror movie or a supernatural movie that is based on a true story and I compare the movie script with the true story. And it takes us in some pretty wild directions sometimes. So my first part of the question is, is that you live in New England and just a funny side note, I've been to every single state in the New England area except <laughs> Rhode Island. It's the only one I like, You probably drove through on. it and didn't even but, realize. Um, <laughs> you it. I could have driven through like the western <laughs> tip or something. You never know, but I'm pretty sure I haven't been there. <laughs> just so you know. But um New England is obviously the home of two of the great master horror writers of all time, Stephen King and H.P. Lovecraft. And with their writings and various other things, and I talked about this, I did a case study uh, a couple of months ago on The Haunting in Connecticut, and I just realized that New England has a lot of weird energy and weird activity going on there. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that and if there's any experiences you've had just in that part of the u.s um well i'm i'm from here originally so i i don't i think i take it for granted a little bit but it's funny that you mentioned hp lovecraft because i was just walking in there's a cemetery swan point cemetery in providence and i was just walking there yes yesterday i think it was yesterday and um he's buried there somewhere i believe unless that's a rumor Oh, wow. And it's hu- it's humongous. It's just a huge place. And I almost lost my car. Like I, that's how big it is. Like I didn't know. I forgot where I parked. So I was kind of looking for where he's buried. Um, and yeah, that just happened. So, and if you go around that area, I years ago I was writing some fiction, and I was into him, and I was it had to do something with where he lived. It's so long ago that I kind of forgot the story died on the vine, unfortunately. But um, I remember going down to Providence and like researching, you know, where he lived and, and, and things like that. And um, it's, it's a cool place. I mean, it's definitely, if you're in Massachusetts or nearby Connecticut, it's definitely, if you're into horror, like I definitely say, just check out some places. There's a lot of, there are a lot of haunted places, which I always say I'm going to go around like Halloween, which I don't know why it's just like the fall just seems the time for that, you know? Um, and I have been to some, some things there was a, you know, a few ghost tours, but there are some really cool places that I know I haven't seen. And it's one of those things you just take for granted because you're here and, Oh, I can go anytime type of thing. But um, yeah, I guess it's just part of the history, you know? Yeah, oh, that's cool. Interesting uh, side note, and then I'll get to my final question for you. Uh, I had a gentleman on from my neck of the woods who does ghost tours who told me he had been to the major ones in Salem and was very disappointed by them. And the more kind of non-tourist touristy, that's even a word, or off the beaten path tours, he said those ones were better than the overhyped ones at Salem. So I found that interesting. Well, the, Salem, and I, I have a tradition of going. Every year with, uh, I, I usually go with my daughter and her friends and my sister. I go several times usually in October. Um, and I've been so much, I don't, I've been on a lot of the tours and a lot of them are terrible. 
um, just tour guides that either don't aren't interested, um, don't really know the history, you know, or the, you know they they don't know how to handle a crowd. So there, you ha- it's almost like you have to get a recommendation. There was one Tom the tour guide. He was awesome. We were like Tom groupies for a while. My friend and I, like, just whatever tour. He was actually from Rhode Island. He moved there. Um, and he was just really knowledgeable. He loved history. Um, and he was a really good tour guide. So it depends on who you get for a tour guide. That's that's the crucial point. Because you can get some really, really good insight. There are some really cool tours in Salem um, if you get the right person. Here, I don't know that I've ever been on one here except, oh, when the ghost hunters or not ghost hunters, but like it was a crew and they came right down to this Patuxent village near me. Um, It's like a really historic village. And we went on a ghost tour with them at one of the churches in the area and in the nearby, you know, walking down. And it was more informative than it was like scary or they didn't really pick up anything supernatural or anything like that, but it was interesting. So. Yeah. I mean, most of those tours are more historical than actually finding something, but they're interesting nonetheless. And uh, I'm going to start getting back on some myself uh, later this summer. Final question from me. Um, We're going to disqualify the exorcist (laughs) because we've already mentioned it, but other than the exorcist, what is your favorite horror movie that is based on a true story? Oh, based on a true story. Oh, Probably like The Conjuring. I guess I know that's it's kind of hyped up right now, but I it's a local one, yeah. And um, yeah. Uh, well, I do like Amityville Horror, but I there there's a couple schools of thought on if that's actually um. Yep. If you named a few, because I'm really bad at like recalling like ones that are based in actuality, like I might. Because I feel like I'm forgetting like a really important. Moment. Oh, that's okay. I mean, you gave some good answers, and then uh, when I exchange information, you could look at my past case study episodes and find out which. Oh, ones are good absolutely, and which yeah. Because if I haven't seen it, I I love, I love horror movies, but I lo- I especially love them if there's great. They don't even have to be exactly you know as long as there's some basis, yeah. you know in in real life that it makes it that more much more interesting so but phil you have recently covered the conjuring on your show right yeah that was in um oh memory's failing me i think that was the may case study and then june we did haunting in connecticut and then uh you and me we teamed up on the second half of uh, Serpent in the Rainbow, the voodoo oh, one, for July. So, oh right, yeah. The hunting in Connecticut. I've seen that. I that's when they move into. Uh, I think I I actually saw it recently. Sometimes I get the the titles I get them mixed up because I I've watched so many different ones that you know. Yeah. Um. That that one I remember as being a good one, if I'm remembering correctly. The Serpent in the Rainbow. I feel like I watched that, that like a long, like the original. Is it's kind of old, right? Is it? Is that an old eighties? Yeah. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was. But that I remember. That I should rewatch that. That I remember that one being good. 
I watched so many my my friend my friend Amy and I, we're both like horror movie nerds like big time. <laughs> we, we were gonna do like a horror movie review blog, but we just never could get our act together to actually. <laughs> we'd watch the movies and then we oh man you're gonna you're gonna love Phil's case studies then <laughs> yeah i'm definitely gonna check those out for sure <laughs> awesome yeah. it may, may, maybe you got a, a team up in the future there Phil. yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey listen we've had uh guest case studies before so i mean never know you never know a collaboration could be in the works so all right, um, Jen, you want to take this time to go ahead and and plug anything that you want. The floor is yours, as Phil would say. Um, your socials, upcoming projects, where people can purchase products from you. I I wish I well, I wish I had more to plug right now. But I'm I'm in the process of actually move like reconfiguring my website. But I think if you just my my main website jenniferglasso.com just check in for updates because I'm, I haven't really figured out I'm trying to move certain things to Etsy and then also make room for this new tarot deck. And I don't want to have 15 websites like I used to have, cause it's really confusing. So I think if you just go on my main site, um, I'm going to try to keep that updated with any changes and also updates on the new tarot deck, which I'm hoping it will be finished and out in 2022. We'll see how that goes. Um, hoping toward the end of it. So I'm hoping to maybe this fall to start posting um the cards as I because I I've sketched out a bunch of them. All the all the majors are sketched out. I just have to actually paint them. And as I paint them, I'm I'm gonna post them because um that's what I did with the first deck, and it it kind it was cool because people kind of wait you know saw the process as it went along. So okay. Any social medias or anything? Instagram? Um, I do have Instagram. I had, <laughs> I had my name and then I, I don't know what I did. I disabled my account. So now it, I believe it's Jen Galasso 1127. Um, I think that's my Instagram. I, I don't do a whole lot with it lately. I need to do more with it. Um, I'm off Facebook. Basically, I do have my old Facebook page, which is I think it's Jennifer Galasso. Art. I haven't posted in a while, but I'm probably going to post there with the new deck pictures. I'm really bad at social media. Um, and, and I don't love Facebook. So, uh, I'm going to try to just direct people from there to whatever platform I'm going to try and just stick with, with one or two and concentrate on those. I think that's the best course of action for me when I'm averse to social media in general. So I definitely <laughs> understand that. When they when they said that things like the tarot were evil, they had no idea. <laughs> they had no idea. You're absolutely right. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, uh, I guess that kind of wraps up where everything that uh, we needed to wrap up. Uh, Phil, do you have anything uh, to add before we close? No, out? I. This was. Oh, were you asking Phil or me? It cut out for a second. I both yeah. No, I mean, this was, <laughs> on my end, this was great. It was really cool meeting you guys, and I've learned a lot, and hopefully, you know, we'll follow up again, for sure. Yeah, I just want to say, okay. um, 
it's always really cool being invited to things like this and I love participating and helping out. And um, the thing I enjoy the most is that, and CJ can probably relate to this, that in our day-to-day working lives, we can't always sit and have conversations like this. So it's always special when we can get online for an hour and a bit and do it like this. So absolutely. I appreciate it too. Um, I'm so glad you guys reached out. That was a nice surprise. And it was good timing too, because I, I had just been thinking, oh, I probably should, you know, start putting the new deck out there. And it was kind of a nice surprise that, you know, that the old deck still, you know, had was wasn't lost and gone you know or whatever you know so and i appreciate that oh yeah for just just to reiterate on what phil said thank you so much for coming out here and and and, ta- and chatting with us today um it really was uh fantastic i was looking forward to it a lot um but it's, i am i'm a big thank fan you of your so work so um this, this was pretty significant for me um my my typical co-host jeremy uh gets to talk to some of his author heroes um and oh, talk to one of mine well, so, i'm like blushing over you fantastic. can't see me but <laughs> thank you so much you're so sweet you guys are great thank you this has been this has been an awesome time nice way to spend a friday night i'm just like thank you so much oh for sure yeah um, and then, uh, besides that, uh, anybody else out there listening, if you want to hear more content from us, you can check out the infinite rabbit hole podcast or, uh, you know, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, you know, five star reviews and, and, and things and, and the iTunes, uh, Phil, you want to let them know where they can find you. Yeah. Same, uh, places as, uh, infinite rabbit hole, but I'm also on Instagram unexplained incorporated and my personal slash professional page phantom phil unexplained with all the underscores underneath and unexplained incorporated facebook twitter and also my website with additional content the phantomhub.com oh my dog just i heard my daughter again <laughs> sorry about that i was hoping she wouldn't bark <laughs> no worries and uh Everybody out there, once again, this has been the second installment of the Void Podcast Network, and we're looking forward to bringing you more collaborations like this in the future. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Have a great night.